This evening I'd like to continue in our meditation of the epistle of James. And continuing on in James chapter 1, would like to read verses 5 through 12. If you'd like to follow along, James chapter 1, beginning here with verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with the burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. So we have seen in this study of the book of James chapter 1 that he is addressing um, in various ways the trials that Christians are facing. expose and address the things that we are lacking in our lives. And the first of those that we looked at was that of patience, because immediately when he talks about the different trials that we we face, he says that the the, the trying is that of our need to grow in, in wisdom, which really he described is really there for the asking for each and every one of us. And, and really, who among us, any of us, could say that, that we don't need more patience or that we don't need more wisdom? All of those are qualities that uh, so often are lacking uh, in our lives and things that we really should aspire to and, and try diligently to, to grow in these areas. And so the next two things that, that we are often lacking in and that uh, James is addressing in this, this first chapter and in the text that we have read together here that I'd like to look at with the Lord's help this evening are namely these, our lack of faith and trust in God at times, and then also our lack of what I will call undivided devotion to God. So two things that we often are lacking in, our lack of faith or trust in God and our lack of undivided devotion to God. And really, James is addressing uh, these two areas that that are often lacking in in Christians um, against the backdrop of of what he calls, in other words, a very generous God, one that not only can supply these things for us, but wants to supply them because he is abundantly able to to do that. 
As the scriptures remind us, I believe it's in, in Philippians, where the Apostle Paul said, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And James describes it here in, in this uh, uh, first verse that we read together. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given to him. In other words, ask God. He wants to give to us generously and without holding back. Uh, he has so much to give and so much to offer, and he doesn't want to hold that back with any reservation from any one of us as his children. And yet every believer, uh, I believe, at times and maybe all too often, find ourselves or themselves in a place of what I will call lacking where we find ourselves lacking in, in different areas, perhaps being less than we should be or that we know we should be, feeling lacking in our, in our um, nearness to God, feeling that, that uh, um, God is farther away rather than closer to us, and, and often also that we are lacking, um, as we will look at tonight, um, lacking in that faith and, and trust in God. Not that we don't believe in God or trust Him, but perhaps at times lacking in that. And, and as the scriptures tell us, lean on our own understanding instead of really leaning on God for, for all of this. And, you know, as we, as we go through the book of James and as you read the book of James, and I encourage you to read, read it through, um, more than once, uh, read it in its entirety. It doesn't take long to do that. Uh, you will find that uh, James is, is is often addressing this dynamic between the difference, uh, rather the difference between simply believing and and doing. Uh, he, he talks about that in the in the sense of faith without works is dead, and so he he certainly is is encouraging that our faith, our um, relationship with God as a Christian is is a dynamic living one in which we live out the faith that we profess, that we believe. And um, in our text here, he, he uses the analogy of, of describing this uh, um, idea of being lacking in, in, um, as relating it to the sea uh, and... Um, being on the sea, uh, obviously in a boat of some uh, some vessel of some kind, but really being tossed to and fro by the wind and the waves. And sometimes in our Christian life, we can feel like we have literally perhaps been set uh, um, set loose on the sea and 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 just being being pounded back and forth by the waves. And, and as James uh, um, describes this idea of lacking, uh, he does it in the, in, in, by using the words or the phrase uh, that of a, a double, being a double-minded man, being a person that is, is double-minded in the sense of uh, thinking uh, along different lines. You know, the, the, Paul, the Apostle Paul uh, described it this way, he, he, he 
differentiated between being carnally minded and being spiritually minded. And certainly one that is double-minded can often find themselves that at times we really are being more carnally or worldly minded or inclined than spiritually minded. And that is a constant uh, battle. Even the Apostle Paul, as he spoke in um, Romans chapter 7 about that struggle uh, that exists uh, in so many people's lives, even believers, that of wanting to do good but finding ourselves doing evil and, and really being uh, torn back and forth in that um, in that struggle that 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 we face and and really it's it comes down to the things that we are lacking in our life not that they're entirely absent or that they don't exist but just that they are lacking and so as i said earlier uh, this area of of not just faith and trust in god but also that of our devotion to him and, and calling it really a divided uh, uh, devotion, because when the Bible, when uh, James says here, a double-minded man, it's really someone that's whose devotion to God is divided um, uh, in, in in really two different directions. And so, what is actually lacking then is this whole idea of undivided devotion to God, uh, being wholly committed and, and, and entirely committed to Him. So that begs the question of each and every one of us uh, to, to really ask ourselves, um, how would you describe your life? How do I describe my life? And I think if we honestly answer that question, uh, we will have to admit that in many ways uh, we do not only lack in, in, in patience and endurance, but in, in, in also in wisdom, but also in our faith and trust in God. And that we, we lack in this undivided attend, uh, devotion that we should have for God. And we find ourselves much like James describes it here as really being tossed about on a sea, being pulled and pushed in, in different directions that really at the mercy of, um, like the sea, the wind and the waves, but in our lives, maybe at the mercy of the circumstances that we find ourselves in, the situations in life that are really tugging at us and pulling us in these different directions. You know, we have a beautiful hymn in our Zion's Harp that really um, uses this analogy of the sea and and of um, Jesus, our Savior, being our pilot, but yet how we find ourselves on this sea of life, or our Christian life, and and being tossed and, and torn about. I'd just like to read these words uh, to all of us. Uh, hymn number 313. My Savior is my pilot true, in his might I confide. No one like him on earth I know, he standeth at my side. My little ship of faith did he securely, soundly make. He ruleth wind and sea, and me he never will forsake. Oft he lets me my course pursue, sometimes through storm and night. My safety yet he had in view, long ere the storm's dread might. He anchor here and there doth find, the wind he guideth true, my landing place he hath in mind, and leadeth safely through. And then this, that we can really identify with. And if my faith would sink, he quickly comes to me, 
And he commands a mighty man, the storm and then the sea. He calls, fear not, I am with thee. Believe and love by grace. Even in the, even in the night thy light I'll be, though there is no shining trace. And, and what a, a beautiful hymn that, that really speaks to this uh, same analogy that the Apostle James, or James is, is writing about here. And, and, and describing our, our lives, uh, um, there. So, uh, I kind of find it interesting that, that as James addresses this, uh, tension, uh, that's going on in our lives, these things that are lacking in our lives in this, uh, first part of, uh, this first chapter, that, uh, in the text that we have, he addresses it, uh, really by addressing both poor and rich believers. He is speaking to Christians, and he clearly, as he speaks about those, because uh, he says here, let a brother of low degree, and then he goes on to say, but the rich, he's talking about Christians. And so we should consider the context of, of James's writing in the early church here and, and, uh, writing to those that were spread abroad. The Jewish people were spread abroad. And, and probably many of them fell into one of these two categories, as did probably most people that lived in the Roman Empire. Uh, the Roman Empire at that time was probably very much like um, third world countries that uh, we have in the world today, where you have the majority of people that would be considered poor and a minority of people that are rich. And uh, unlike uh, uh, the Western world where we find ourselves in, where, where um, you have a, a large middle class that most of us would... would um, probably uh, consider ourselves to be a part of, uh, the rest of the world, and certainly the world uh, that uh, James uh, and, and the apostles were living in, was very much different. There were very many poor people, literally poor, and there were probably a handful of those that were very rich and, and became rich uh, uh, um, because of the oppression of the poor and, and the slavery. we would have to admit that, yes, uh, we probably do fit in one um, of those two categories. And so let's consider the text tonight, uh, perhaps uh, more in that sense, if we can't entirely relate to it, as as uh, maybe the, the readers or the listeners of James' letter would have been able to relate to it. Because really both of these, um, both those that are literally poor and in poverty and in, are rich, or even as I've described it here, um, in the sense of uh, not having everything that we want or having more than we need, uh, both of these uh, classes of people or groups of people really become and are a trial in itself, very much so, and we find ourselves being tried as Christians, as a result of fitting into one of these two categories. And um, this is especially true in our Western world where where all of us are um, uh, exposed to so much affluence and and materialism that, that is so dominant in, in our world. And even though uh, the time that we're living in has tempered that somewhat, we know that indeed we do live in a time of affluence and and plenty, and uh, of, of materialism, and 
And yet, in the midst of that, uh, we, we, we can find ourselves uh, um, yet uh, being in one of these two categories. And the writer in Proverbs really identified uh, this as well in a very um, meaningful way when uh, uh, talking about poverty and, and riches, when he said, "'Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee, and say, "'Who is the Lord?' or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. And uh, really, that that scripture there in Proverbs uh, chapter 30, verses 8 and 9, really describes this dynamic of the challenge and in many ways the... Uh, uh, the trial that we can find ourselves in by being in in one of these two categories. Um, and so James writes, and he says in verse 9 here, let the brother of low degree, so clearly speaking to a Christian, let the brother of low degree rejoice. Other translations use the word boast. In other words, be rejoicing or, or um, uh, um, not boasting in a bad way, but uh, being thankful and, and, in a sense, glorying in that position. And then he, he, just, he, he says why. In that he is exalted. Um, so this really could speak to, to any of us that may be poor in the sense that we have less than we want. But what is he saying here? What is James saying to these poor believers who, in his case, were probably living in poverty uh, uh, in a very poor condition? What he was saying is that, in other words, they should be rejoicing and, and, and glorying, not in their state of poverty so much as in their position in Christ, who they are in Christ, and, and the fact that in Christ they have everything that they need. And... Uh, that 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 is something to to be uh, boasting in, to be glorying in, to be rejoicing in. That even though uh, we are poor, yet we can be rich, and, and we recognize that our wealth, our riches, are are not measured in earthly terms, but are measured uh, in in heavenly terms because they are spiritual, because those are the things that we really possess. I'd like to read uh, the words of a song to you that uh, I think really describe not only those that cons- might consider themselves poor um, because literally they have little or, or because they that um, because they um, have less than they really want, but also those that are rich, that have more than they need, or that really do have um, uh, wealth uh, in in this w- world. And and I hope these words speak to your heart and, and really encourage you to, to really consider um, who you are in Christ and what he has offered and given to you, and that you would cherish that and, and also recognize uh, that it came at a very tremendous cost to each and every one of us.
And so really, uh, regardless of how little or how much we have, or whether we consider ourselves poor or rich, in whatever sense, uh, these words speak to us. The, the title of the song is, My Worth is Not in What I Own. My worth is not in what I own, not in the strength of flesh and bone, but in the costly wounds of love at the cross. My worth is not in skill or name, to win or lose, in pride or shame, but in the blood of Christ that flowed at the cross. I rejoice in my Redeemer, greatest treasure, wellspring of my soul. I will trust in him, no other. My soul is satisfied in him alone. As summer flowers, we fade and die. Fame, youth, and beauty hurry by, but life eternal calls to us at the cross. I will not boast in wealth or might or humans or human wisdom's fleeting light, but I will boast in knowing Christ at the cross. Two wonders here I, that I confess. My worth and my unworthiness. My value fixed. My ransom paid at the cross. The songwriter speaks here about this greatest treasure. Those, the greatest treasure that we can have and do have in Christ and, and have because we know him and that we are in a relationship with him because of what he did at the cross. And we know what he did at the cross was gave his life for each and every one of us, shed his blood so that we can experience the forgiveness of sins and, and have the hope and the promise of everlasting life. And, and, and how unworthy we really are of this gift that God has given to us. And yet, uh, that we have tremendous worth in God's sight because he was willing to pay that price to redeem you and to me and to redeem you, my friend, if you have not yet accepted this gift, this offer of salvation. Um, in the second chapter of, of James, uh, uh, speaking to those that are poor, he said these words in verse 5, Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath, God, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? And, and what a beautiful um, verse that, that ties so well in with the text that we have, have read together. You know, the Bible tells us, I believe it's in Romans, that not many uh, mighty, not many wise are, are chosen, but, but the poor, uh, those that are, are really, really willing to, to submit themselves and humble themselves before God, um, you know, to, to be able to experience uh, the blessing of being a child of God. And so, however you consider yourself, uh, Poor because maybe you, you don't have as much as even perhaps you need all the time. Or that, that poor because you, you really have things that you, that you want and you don't have. Um, consider this, that, that God wants to remind you, every one of us actually, that, that in Christ 
we have such abundance and such riches and that we can uh, we can uh, rejoice in that and we should rejoice and 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 really boast uh, in that in in a in a godly way in a good way and glory in the fact of who and we are in Christ and what we have in him but then James goes on here uh, in, in the next verse, in verse 10, he says, but the rich. So now he's talking to another class of people in that he is made low. And so clearly he was speaking to those that had wealth, had uh, um, the goods of this world and probably had more than than they need, like many of us do as well. And for that reason, should consider ourselves also to be rich. But then he says to them, um, but the rich in that he is made low. Uh, in other words, uh, in his humiliation. So the rich um, should also rejoice the same way as the poor, um, but not in his riches, not in his wealth or his possessions, but as as it says here, in that he is made low, in other words, in his humiliation. Let me read the rest of the text here, verses 10 11, because here he gives the reason why he shouldn't uh, rejoice in the fact that he has possessions or has wealth or riches. Because as the flower of the grass, he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. perisheth. Excuse me. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. In other words, those that are rich and, and glory, so to speak, in their riches, um, and 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 rely on their riches and count on their riches to sustain them. They need to be reminded that, like the flower, like the grass, uh, that will fade away. Um, as this songwriter has said, "As summer flowers, we fade and die. Fame, youth, and beauty—they hurry by, but life eternal calls to us at the cross." And so that becomes the very nature of the riches of this world in the sense that they are fleeting, they are uncertain as, as we, uh, as we and so many have seen and, and perhaps even experienced in these last days, uh, how uncertain, uh, as the Bible describes, riches are and, and how quickly they can, can be taken away. And, and that is also true of, of the other things that are prized and valued in life uh, by many, and, and especially by those that are rich and famous. Things like youth and its vitality and, and beauty and strength. And, and we know that, that um, it's, it's all around us that those things will fade um, and, and, and disappear. And, and those that have placed their trust and confidence in those things, they really find themselves in a place where, where those things will fade and, and what will they be left with. And for that reason, then James is encouraging the rich that they would rejoice, um, or in a sense boast, not in their riches, but rather in the fact that they are made low, the fact that 
in their humiliation or in their humility. In other words, that they have come to a place where they recognize that that doesn't count for anything, the riches and, and everything that this world has to offer. But what counts is when they, in their place of, of, of having possessions and having perhaps a position or status or, or fame or whatever it is, have been able to humble themselves in the sight of God, in the sight of the Lord. And um, that they have come to a place that they recognize, much like this song describes it, and, and the times that we live in show us, and the Bible teaches us that there is simply foolishness in trusting in riches, but when we can submit ourselves and humble ourselves before God, um, even if we are in that place of having more than we need, that we can be in a good place in our relationship with God because we, we have a treasure that doesn't fade away and cannot be taken from us. Um, Timothy, First Timothy chapter 6 verse 9 gives us this warning to those that are rich that, uh, that those that strive after that they will fall into temptation or they will fall into um, uh, trials and, and also into snares if that's what they're placing their trust in. And and it goes on to say, in many foolish and hurtful lusts which drowned men in destruction and perdition. Um, but as as believers and, and many of us having more than we need, um, we need to be cautious that we don't fall into that trap, but also that we really humble ourselves before God and realize that, that uh, as the Bible says, what do we have that has not been given to us? Everything that we have does not really belong to us. It's, it's, we are stewards of that, and God has given that to us. And if we have that perspective, we will live our lives in humility. And so he says here, the rich and that he is made low. And, and as Jesus reminded his, his listeners and us as well, that unless we humble ourselves as a little child, we can not enter into the kingdom of heaven. And that is so true that even a rich man, even those that have more than they need in this world, unless they are willing to humble themselves before God and be made low in that sense and rejoice in that position of being made low and, and being humble before God, that uh, that they will miss out um, and, and really be in a place where they could easily be drawn away from that relationship with God. James goes on, I believe it's in the fourth chapter, to very uh, clearly tell us that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And, and so that is all the more reason that the rich should um, rejoice in that he is made low. In other words, rejoice in, in that humility that he has submitted himself. You know, that same scripture there in James, uh, you know, chapter um, 4, he says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Um, draw not nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Um, uh, and, and all of these things are, are written after he says uh, that he, God gives grace to the humble. But then he says, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. 
And here again, he's, he's addressing this same thing, this, the same idea that, that even in this life as, as believers, uh, whichever class we find ourselves in, that, that we can easily become double-minded. At times, being drawn back into the, the ways of this world and, and having that, that uh, double mind. And so let's remember that, that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And he will give grace to us. Even if we have this uh, world's goods, as the Bible says, we should know what to do with them. That we would be willing to share that with others that have need and, and use it in, in a responsible way, uh, the way the Bible instructs us to. And God does give us uh, these things, not only to enjoy uh, and benefit from, but to share with others, and and that is so uh, necessary. But that in all of that, we would recognize that that the greatest treasure and the only real treasure is found in Jesus Christ. Just want to go once again to uh, a hymn that I quoted last time when we spoke of wisdom, and, and like to share. Uh, these words, uh, beautiful words, uh, the first uh, two uh, verses of hymn number 65. One thing's needful, and it really this is like a prayer that, uh, that we should be uh, praying and, and, and uh, really asking God to, to really help us to value this and to treasure this above anything and everything in this world and in this life that uh, we might have or might desire to have. One thing's needful, Lord, this treasure teach me highly to regard. All else, though it first give pleasure, is a yoke that presses hard. Beneath it the heart is still fretting and striving, no true lasting happiness ever deriving. This one thing I long for, well worth all alone, that I may be gladdened by all things in one. Wilt thou find this one thing needful? Seek not midst created things. Be of earthly joys unheedful. Over nature stretch thy wings. For where God and man both in one are united, with God's perfect fullness the heart is delighted. There, there is the worthiest lot and the best, my one and my joy, my all and my rest." And we really need to be striving after that with all of our hearts. Because God desires and, and, and wants to, to give us the very best. But the very best is not found in this life or what this world has to offer. It is found in Him. And He wants us to, to grow in our knowledge of him and of the promises that he gives us and has given to us and and the riches that are ours in Christ Jesus a couple scriptures as we um uh that I'd like to share with you in second peter chapter 1 verses 3 and 4 according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness in other words um through the power of god this uh, this um all-powerful God that that has everything at his disposal and that wants to freely give to us everything that we need for living life abundantly and and in a sense of 
for eternity and a rewarding life, the Christian life as he intended, um, and one of godliness that, that he gives that to us through the knowledge of him. In other words, through knowing his word and, and feeding on his word and feeding on his promises, as he goes on to say here, through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby he has given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And so we can become more like Jesus. We can become more godly, more sanctified, as we grow in our knowledge of him, as we claim the promises that he has given to us. And we need to do that. We need to um, recognize that all of this has been given to us by God and he freely wants to give it to us. Because as we read here at the beginning, that that God gives to all men liberally and he doesn't hold back. He's generous. He wants to give all of these things to us in a very generous way. The next scripture here in Ephesians chapter 1 verse, verse 18 um, and this is important because so many times we are somewhat blinded to the the truth of God's word and the reality of what God wants to give us. And we're blinded by, as, as we can read in the scripture, Paul said, by the God, uh, our, our um, minds can be blinded by the God of this world. And, and though that certainly is speaking to unbelievers, it can happen to us as well that our Our minds are blinded to the truths of God. But Paul writes to the Ephesians here and he says, and this was really a prayer that he had for them, which should also be a prayer that we should have for ourselves, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints for us. And, and these are the things that God wants us to rejoice in and glory in and even boast in a godly and a good way that we have received these things because they are of immeasurable wealth um, and value uh, far beyond anything that this this world can can give us. And so... The trials uh, that we go through, whatever they may look like in your life right now or in times past or in the days ahead, they are really intended by God to, to grow things in us and to, to make up um, for what we are lacking. Whether it's patience and endurance, whether it's a wisdom that we need day to day for everything that we go through in life, or whether it is that, that faith that um, is is necessary, uh, trusting God that that He will do what He has promised and He will give us uh, what uh, what we need, or if it's even this uh, this whole idea that that uh, um, we are lacking in that devotion to God and that that uh, we have this divided. Uh, um, devotion to God, and we are lacking in having an undivided uh, devotion to God in our lives. Um, things come into our lives that that really are trials, but those trials are intended, as James teaches us, to to make up and and to um, uh, 
for the things that we are lacking, any of these and many others that may be lacking in our lives. And God is working. He wants to work through our circumstances, through our situations uh, in life, through the experiences that we make, and especially through the trials that we go through to bring about and and um, make up for those things that we are lacking. And so the last verse here as we uh, slowly close um, in James, uh, the 12th verse that we read together, he says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. And this word here, temptation, um, is the same Greek word as uh, at the beginning in the second um, uh, uh, second verse where he talks about uh, various uh, temptations. It's really trials. And so we can read this. Blessed is the man that endureth trials. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. And what a, a beautiful scripture that, uh, that reminds us that whatever you're going through right now and, or have gone through or will go through and the trials that you face, that, um, that if you can endure, if you can persevere, uh, if you can push through those things, claiming the promises of God, uh, glorying and rejoicing in, in who you are in Christ and what he has done for you, that, that you can continue on in that journey. And that ultimately he will give to you and to all of us as children the crown of life eternal that there is a crown that is waiting for us just like it was for the Apostle Paul who near the end of his life said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course and I have kept the faith. And henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. And uh, just uh, in closing, going back to this um, this uh, the song that I quoted earlier, where it talks about these fleeting things. As summer flowers, we fade and die. Fame, youth, and beauty, they hurry by. But life eternal calls to us at the cross. Life eternal is calling us. And we will be blessed. We are blessed if we can endure these trials to the very end. And then we will receive this crown of life because God has promised it to us. And not just to us, but to everyone that loves him and is looking forward to his return. Amen.